I hate those situations. So I try to prevent those situations from happening. So yeah, I do a lot of research, watch other interviews, listen to other interviews to just see if they answer similar questions. Because obviously, like I'm always conscious of some people who are really popular or some people who, who just have done a lot of interviews. I'm just like, I don't want to ask them like the same question that they've already been asked. Or maybe if they do ask a similar question, I make it my own a bit or like ask it in a different way and see what other answer I can get. Hi, I am Sophie Vaux and this is the Rise and Play podcast. In the show, I sit down with influential thought leaders of the gaming industry to deconstruct how they create the best team and company cultures in order to create the best games. Every episode brings actionable insight to improve your leadership, self-awareness, and emotional management skills. Because becoming a better leader starts with becoming a better human. So, are you ready to unlock your full potential in life and business? Let's begin. This episode has been brought to you by our sponsor, Appadeal, an all-in-one growth platform for mobile app creators of any size. While you have probably heard about Appadeal as a mediation solution, it has already expanded into much more than that. Appadeal unlocks access to a new generation of advanced business intelligence tools, including LTV forecasting, user acquisition and creative automation, and of course, the mediation platform that can work out of the box or be managed manually. Being one of the very few independent platforms left in the market, Appadeal delivers unbiased solutions for mobile app creators to establish and scale their businesses rapidly. Sign up at appadeal.com. So today we have an exclusive episode with Lauren Kay. She is also a podcaster in gaming. It was actually interesting how we found each other because there are so few of women doing podcasts and in gaming. And so by conversation, I decided today to make an episode all about what it is to make a podcast and podcast and gaming and just, you know, sharing today our learnings and insights by the whole journey of creating content on podcast. But before we start, let me give you a bit of context about Lauren. So Lauren Kay is a podcast host and creator of She Plays Games. So be sure to check it out after this episode. And she is a very strong advocate for women in the games industry and is currently creating content for women in games as a marketing manager. So hey, Lauren, thanks for joining this evening. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a long time coming, but I'm so excited to be on the show. Yeah. And also for the context, I was also a guest on your show. So, you know, it's amazing as well that not only we share the knowledge on the platform, but we support each other as female podcasters and content creators, really inviting each other. So I really love the initiative. Oh, same, same. I mean, like, honestly, this space needs more of our voices. So any way that we can like sort of big each other up and support this space, it's better for everybody, really. Totally agree. To begin with, uh, I know that you've been active anyway, doing the podcast content, talking to amazing guests that we can talk about, and also creating content with women in games. If not this, what are the exciting things that are happening in your life right now? Oh my goodness. I mean, <laughs> it's a bit mad, really. Like I have a few things sort of in the works at the moment, just sort of privately, but 
I also am a mom, like it's just knee deep in trying to keep my children both alive and fed <laughs> and on the right path, which is also kind of why I started She Plays Games because I just don't want my kids to end up like me in some regards. Like I had a lot of hardships growing up that I just don't want to repeat again. Like I had no guidance as to what I wanted to do with my life or what I could do with my life. Like I drew a lot and I had people around me just being like, oh, well, you could work for Disney, couldn't you? Or you could like draw or whatever. You could be an artist. And I was just kind of like, okay, but I don't really want to work for those kind of companies. And I don't really want to be an artist. Like the media always represented artists as being these poor begging people who were constantly like working their butts off. And like, I came from a very poor family. I didn't Mm. really want to go back to being a penniless artist. So that was my misinformation growing up because nobody in my family could see the potential of where I could take my talent and where I could go with my sort of career path in life. And because of that, She Plays Games stands as something to just like sort of say, hey, you really need to see these people. You need to see women in this space. And you need to see all these different types of roles that you can do in games. And there's there's no like one size fits all or anything. But outside of that, when I was younger, one of my friends in high school basically just said like, do you want to do a podcast with me about Kingdom Hearts? And I said, sure. <laughs> oh, And that's how I got onto Final Fantasy Union, which is what I do now as well with my husband. We do a YouTube channel all about Final Fantasy. Oh and, my God. Um, <laughs> being a content creator on YouTube, particularly, it gave me the freedom to explore something else like this, like She Plays Games, which I'm so indebted to. And at the moment, we're trying to finish up the fulfillments for a Kickstarter that we ran a bit ago now. We ran a Kickstarter for a book for Final Fantasy Union, and we had about 2,600 orders. And we're fulfilling him ourselves. Amazing. So our house looks a bit like a tip because we just have boxes everywhere. We have envelopes everywhere. But slowly but surely, we will get all of those books out and my house will look a bit clean again. (laughs) That sounds like an exciting project. I know Kingdom Hearts. I really like that game when I was a teenager playing and Final Fantasy as a franchise. Growing an audience on YouTube is uh, very competitive, very hard, and uh, especially if you approach it as, oh, I want to make it as a business. But how did you approach it, like creating content on YouTube? And are you happy with how you grew an audience and a following by creating that type of content? Totally. So I grew up when YouTube first sort of came out, right? Like I was watching content creators from a very young age, like about when I was a teenager going through high school. I always kind of was fascinated by YouTube. I watched some creators like Boheme was a particular one that I used to watch a lot. He used to do film reviews and act really sassy. I just watched these people and I just sort of thought like, you know, I love to create content. I didn't really want to create the content that they were making, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to make content on YouTube. I wanted to do that because I really loved editing videos. When I was really young, I used to make PowerPoint presentations and used to put music with my PowerPoint presentations. I was very passionate about it. Then I moved on to Windows Movie Maker, which is when I made like AMVs and stuff. 
And then I moved on to Sony Vegas. And then now I use Premiere Pro just because it's like the industry standard. And I had to say goodbye to Vegas. That was the tool in my arsenal that I felt like I could use to my advantage because content was becoming so visual. But with YouTube, I was just like, oh, this could really work. Like, I want to do something like this. And it took me years of trial and error. I used to try so many things. I would do voiceover redubs. So like, you know, you'd see a scene in a Disney film and then (laughs) you try to voice act over it. I really enjoyed doing those. And then we were doing Final Fantasy Union and Kingdom Hearts Union. And I sort of thought like, you know, well, I wonder how well this content would do on YouTube, make it a more of a visual thing for YouTube. It would just have us talking about whatever we were talking about with regards to the podcast. Didn't really get much traction. People weren't really interested in it on YouTube. And then we sort of thought, okay, well, let's try interviews. So we did a lot of interviews, particularly with this game called Final Fantasy Type-0 HD. I was just like, oh my God, it was like a little bit of hits, but it never really nailed it. And then I started doing Work Digest, which was a Final Fantasy news show, essentially, And I kind of like kept plugging away at it, thinking like maybe at one point it would reach an audience. And then all of a sudden, Daryl and I were watching these, it was a Harry Potter YouTube channel all about like origins of specific Harry Potter characters. And we sort of thought like, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something that we could do with Final Fantasy, like origins videos, because Final Fantasy games are really long. You don't always want to like replay them in order to relive the storylines. And so we put it together, we released it, and it did really well. We started doing content that was a bit more editorial, like sort of a top 10 video, where to find these kind of things, video for Final Fantasy 15 and around the release of Final Fantasy 15. And those started doing really well. And I still remember we posted it right before we left for... America, because we were going to go on holiday to celebrate my eldest's first birthday. And by the time we got off the plane, our YouTube channel had earned us about $5, which at that time, like we just sort of thought like, you know, we went from making nothing and like went from making very minimal money from the podcasts to all of a sudden, like that was such (laughs) an easy thing to do. Like, do you think we can do it again? Like, let's try So we kept plugging at it, kept plugging at it. And then eventually we reached a good pace. We reached a good rhythm. And now we're on about year six and we make a nice living from it. We were able to employ a few staff members. So we have a couple video editors and also a couple writers now, which has been really, really helpful. We've been able to churn out more content faster it's snowballing. We're really riding the wave of views on YouTube. With YouTube, it's a lot of trial and error, but my recommendation is always just like, see what somebody else is doing and just see how you can apply it to your own thing. It doesn't have to be that you're completely original because it's too hard to be completely original. Just see if you can apply something that you've seen that you like and remix it and make it your own. You might be surprised by the outcome. Very interesting because I was wondering how you can even make a living out of it. And you've, I think, described quite interesting steps of in six years, it's quite a long time. So there's a certain perseverance, right? 
keep trying different things and it's not like you get lucky and then you stumble on, I don't know, the golden nugget and then you become super rich. It's yeah. like trying many things to the point as well that yeah you understand what works and I have developed a process. So it's amazing as well that you persevered, at least on YouTube. I was wondering with what you've learned on content creation and you probably have a process of how do you define the content you will focus on? What is the cadence, the frequency? Did you apply some of those learnings to the podcast and the content creation on the podcast or complete a different platform? A lot of it initially was just Daryl and I talking to each other about it. Like having a partner really does help, especially somebody who's interested in the same thing as you. Like I lucked out that my husband is also somebody who's really, really interested in the things that I'm interested in. So <laughs> we have that really, really good bond. You know, we both had that really good knowledge of the franchise and like the fact that there's 30 years worth of content really worked out in our favor. So it's been a lot of trial and error. There's been some content that we've had to let go. We've just had to say like, you know, okay, well, we'll come back to that when we feel we're ready to like the origin series, actually, like the Final Fantasy Origins. We started sort of seeing views tail off. And, you know, we thought like these videos take a lot of time to create. They take a lot of time to write and edit as compared to our other videos. So I hate to think of it that way, but like you do ha kind of have to think about your resources and like sort of yes. what you're capable of because ultimately YouTube is a fleeting ship at times. Like you can just sort of say, oh, well, I'll put all my faith into this one video, but take like ages in order to produce it. And then those viewers that you had locked and engaged, they've moved on to something else, which is a really frustrating thing because like content creation is a constant fight for people's attention. There are times where we can get away with like maybe a week or two of not really producing much, but you do kind of reach a point where you see the numbers dip. So we've had to be really careful, especially now that we have people relying on us to just sort of say like, okay, well, this type of content is taking up way too many resources. Let's just focus on something different. We have a project that we're doing, which is the Square Enix documentary. So we've been working on parts of the history of Square Enix. And that's a very different type of style content that we normally do. So we've hired out a guide to help us with those. But then in terms of how I apply sort of what I know from that to the podcast, I've been trying out things with the podcast as far as like titles and different ways of engaging people. I still feel like I'm finding or my way with it. I definitely feel like networking wise, the amount of people who are aware of my brand is like significantly high. Even if I feel like maybe I could be doing better or I could be finding better ways of doing certain things and promoting certain things. I know at least my brand awareness is there, which is really cool. But yeah, yeah, it, it would be nice to have a bit of the stuff that Final Fantasy Union has for SPG as well. I think we're getting there, but it is a bit match with SPG in comparison. Yeah. And I can share also part of my experience with a podcast because I've been starting since a year, a year and a half. My partner also works as a podcaster, but it's a completely different field, coffee. And he makes a living out of it. So I was like, wow, is it possible? <laughs> uh, and yeah. he was telling me that it's quite a new platform as a business model, even that 
even when you try to get analytics, you know, it's not that developed or elaborated as you can find on YouTube. It's very scattered. What I like about podcasts is accessible for creating. Uh, but I think here is like going back to what is it that you're delivering as value and how do you measure it? Back to the brand awareness. I find at least that conclusion that when I look purely at metrics of a podcast and discussing with other peers in the industry, uh, there's a complex of inferiority when you're like, wow, okay, those are not my numbers. <laughs> yeah. I work especially in games where we look a lot at KPI, but then I, I crossed a lot of people through conference or just on LinkedIn messages or, and they know about the podcast. They have listened to at least one episode or few or they know of. And so exactly as you said, the brand awareness and what you're advocating for with the topics that you're raising, it has its value, maybe less tangible than looking at just, you know, listens per episode or audience size, which are very hard apparently to even evaluate. Analyzing the performance and the business model by per view, I think for podcasts, at least when you start later, it's harder. Mm. And maybe I see at least the one I know of, it's more a sponsoring model where, you know, it's like helping you to grow and based yeah. on the brand rich awareness, also value and the brand association rather than just a CPM, for example. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's funny that you say that about like the tracking as well. Cause like I use Lipson and Lipson is one of like the best in the business as far as like stats go, but even that is very minimal stats. And then as far as like reaching monetization with podcasts, there's not really an easy model to go on. Definitely not a YouTube centric type of thing for podcasts where, cause I think like even Lipson alone, you have to have like at least 20,000 downloads a month. And um, yeah, <laughs> yeah not, my crazy. <laughs> not my numbers, not my numbers, not my numbers, but yeah, yeah. Like I think obviously KPIs are like important to know where you're at and it's important to have those like sort of values of like, you know, okay, well we want to reach a certain point and we want to do this and we want to do that. But yeah, I think what keeps you sane at least is definitely that thing of somebody saying to you, I've listened to your podcast. I know who you are. Mm -hmm. I had so many events in the beginning where I kept having to introduce myself and then introduce what I do. And now like I hardly ever introduce myself, at least in the UK space to just sort of say like, you know, hi, my name is Lauren. And I just have people go, I know who you are. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. You have a great network in the UK. Yeah. This is where we find out there are so many women in games, actually. It's just less mm. visible, but there are many of them, right? It's at least enough to have podcast content about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely. Oh, it's so great. And there's so, so many in so many different areas as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really incredible. I mean, numbers wise, we're still struggling, I think, as far as an industry. I think it's still about, 24% minorities in the games industry in the UK. So it's still like that battle of getting those numbers up, but hopefully we're making strides, making more girls realize like where they can play, where they can be and where they can do things. Mm -hmm. Let's maybe get more into also the process of how we produce podcasts. I like always to exchange, mm. you know, learnings. And I was wondering... How you plan your content and how do you pick up your guests? How do you even find them, contact them? What's your whole process, you know, for content planning and creation? I mean, when I first started out, a lot of it was using context that I had already. So before I started the podcast and stuff, I was a bit of a journalist. So I did reviews for actually Daryl, my husband's website. 
gamingunion.net. I'd gone to PR events and like met some people. My first guest was actually somebody who I knew through Final Fantasy Union. She used to come to the events with us and now she works at Square Enix. So initially it was a lot of just sort of seeing who could say yes, <laughs> really. <laughs> like it was, it was really hard to just have to constantly like pitch myself. Like, is my email hitting the right points? Is my email mm. like enough Because, you know, you get emails all the time from people you don't know. And you're just like, is this person legitimate? Are they not? And then I had to really make sure that what I was saying wasn't going to come off like one of those really interesting spam emails. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a lot of that initially. And now I think we've hit our stride. I'm still quite open. I still find a lot of different types of people, a lot of different sizes to come on the show I'm definitely excited about a lot of the people who I have coming up in the next few episodes. I mean, recently we had Gabrielle Zevin, who wrote a novel called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which is a fiction novel about a game dev team. And one of the game dev members is a woman. It's a really great book. Like it's really, really Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Recently, I had Hannah Nicklin on the show who wrote Writing for Games, which I hear is like the mecca for like games writing. You can really use it as a manual to teach you how to write for games, how to write characters who sound different from each other, have different types of inflections and stuff. Because I think there are times in games where the writing can come off quite jarring considering the experience. And, you know, I'm coming up to the 100th episodes and there aren't too many job roles that I haven't covered yet. Mm -hmm. Definitely still a lot of different people who I can choose from. But it's really like anybody who I find along the way who I really want to speak to or am impressed by their story. I just had a trans woman on named MZ. She just won the first Commonwealth e-football tournament. Oh, awesome. Yeah, she's really incredible. And she's doing a ton to try and help women in this space, particularly esports. And it's people like that who are just so cool. Like, I just love having people like that on SPG. And then in terms of like, once I know somebody's coming on the show, I will research the crap out of them as much as I can. <laughs> There's some people who are very elusive and, you know, I try my best to see if I can dig up dirt on them or like, not like dirt, but like <laughs> dig up information on them to just sort of like be able to know the conversation because the worst thing is like you go into an interview and then you don't really know them. I got too busy. I didn't research as much as I like normally do. And then you get to that point where you just sort of think like I'm out of everything. Like you can carry on a conversation for a little while, but then all of a sudden you're just like, I've run out of rope. I don't Mm -hmm. know what else to say. And I hate those situations. So I try to prevent those situations from happening So yeah, I do a lot of research, watch other interviews, listen to other interviews to just see if they answer similar questions. Because obviously, like I'm always conscious of some people who are really popular or some people who who just have done a lot of interviews. I'm just like, I don't want to ask them like the same question that they've already been asked. Or maybe if they do ask a similar question, I make it my own a bit or like ask it in a different way and see what other answer I can get. On the show itself, I play a lot of listening. I really try to listen to what the other person's saying and come up with 
what else I want to ask just by sort of seeing where the conversation goes, really. Listening to you and doing also this form of listening that you just described, it's funny. It's like, actually, we have quite a similar approach, uh, at least in the intention. This is so funny because when we met, it was like we were thinking the same thing. We didn't start at the same time. But yeah, by covering guests as well that present different perspectives because there are so many, right? It's not just women or someone in a role. It's just everybody has their own individuality and have their own story, right? So it's like bringing to light different stories. That's as well how I try at least to craft the episodes and different guests. I love the part of research that I took from you actually when you interviewed me. I was like, wow, she kind of know quite a lot of me. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, this is a good preparation. And as a guest, it makes you feel, you know, like really valued. You, you mm. come here to share about your experience and you feel like someone has been listening to you or interested in uh, your life. Usually it's people I've followed for some time and that I find interesting for some reasons that are supporting, you know, the overarching uh, ideas and mission that is for me for Rise and Play Around Leadership, uh, uh, any conscious practices, uh, diversity, inclusion, and everything. Uh, I think the magic is also a lot in the conversation, mm. but I get the feedback. What makes at least this type of content we create in interviews, that it was very personal. You could really have a sense of a person, of a person, because it's making the guests feel comfortable listening to what they say and building on top of what they say, right? And not following just the scripts. We both work with some sort of outline, mm. but we don't follow it strictly, right? We let the conversation evolve and keep it still natural and organic. And I think that's what is the magic of interview when you really, at the same time, has a structure and an outline, but go really in the personal part where you can have a feeling of a person by listening to the conversation. Mm, oh, completely. Yeah. I know when I first started, I always dread listening to old episodes of SPG because I didn't used to apply the techniques that I do now. And it has made such a difference to the show and how it's evolved. And it is just so important. It really, really, really helps. And something about the post-production process, which also we exchanged a little bit, but here for the curiosity of the listeners, from my experience at the beginning, I was doing everything by myself. Mm. And you know, the editing part is quite a lot. And I know still some podcasters in the space are doing it uh, themselves. And I was spending, I don't know, four hours per episode because I was trying to craft all the details and so on. And then at some point, I think I told you, I decided to work with proper editors or even producer at some point. Because for the save of time and focus really on the part where you are contributing, giving value, like content creation, sourcing, selecting the guests, running the interview, and the editing part can be quite tedious. So I don't know if on your end, you're still doing it or you have different mm. solution or automation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, actually funny, you should say that recently I did go back to my old editor. So I was going with an editor for a little while and then I just sort of felt like I lost a bit of myself in the episodes. Like it's a lot harder, I think, to remember what happened in an episode when you don't edit it yourself. I'm one of those people who, when I do something, like I kind of do it and then it's done and then <laughs> I'm over it. And that's not very good for marketing, obviously, because then you just don't really know what to say about the episode Indeed. and that type of thing. So I was just like, okay, well, I'll do it all myself. So I did have like an interesting workflow. And if I was just doing the podcast as my full-time work, it probably would have been fine. But typically what I would do is I would do the episode, 
download it from whatever channel I was using. So at the moment, I'm using Riverside because it can split up the audio tracks, which is so nice. And then I put it into Audacity, run a bunch of audio stuff on it to like keep it clean, listen through, edit out all the things. I import it into a program called Descript, which yeah. is a transcription program. Because I just found editing was a lot easier if I could see what needed to be edited out as opposed to just listening to it on something like Audacity. It would drive me crazy because I'd listen and then I'd think that I got past the blunder and then I listened for five more seconds. And then all of a sudden, another one, two seconds after happens. And so I just be like, all right, got to stop edit <laughs> again and then keep going. Whereas like with Descript, I could sort of see like, okay, well, I say, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. So I'm just going to delete them. And then I'm going to see how that phrase sounds without those ums in. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, it will be a lot easier. And it was, it was a lot easier to edit that way. And then, yeah, I would record the intro, apply the same audio techniques and editing techniques, import them all together, add music, find the clip that I wanted to open up with, add that in, outro, everything, bam, it was done. The social media posts, which I rely a lot on Canva for all of my graphics and that kind of thing. But yeah, like say in the last few weeks or so, I've just had a massive amount of burnout and a massive amount of just exhaustion to where Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I just didn't want to look at my computer screen anymore. I didn't want to, I just didn't want to edit anymore. I just didn't have the brain power anymore to edit. So I went back to my old editor, A&T, who are amazing. They have edited my podcast again, and it's been so nice. It's just been so great having a editor to handle all of that heavy work because, yeah, like it kind of what we were saying with the YouTube channel, you have to figure out where your energy and where your time is best spent. And if it means that you have to spend a bit of money to just spend on an editor. That's yeah. like just such a load off. And it just means that you can focus on the other things that you need to get done. Yeah, agreed. I think that was a conclusion I had. And yeah, same like you, I'm not doing the podcast full time. So at some point it was, I was like spending my Sunday afternoon and my partner started to tell me, he's like, I would like to spend some time with you. So, you know, we can find maybe a, another solution. I know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's about the value of your time. And it's really great to work with professionals who mm. do it as well. I think you are as well from your background, like you knew the whole process. I learned it uh, by doing it and it's not the, the most effective way either. This group has been very helpful. It's a great software I recommend for podcast editing. Mm. As we are getting at the end of our conversation, we can talk a lot about tech details and nerdy details on how to improve our podcast. But it's amazing because I, I learned always, you know, from other podcasters, which tool software they use. And I was on Audacity until I found this script. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> game changer, you know? I know. Yeah. It's so good. And also separate tracks, basic things, you know, it depends what is the quality you aim for for the podcast. But I've, I've been told from my partner and professional podcaster, the quality of the audio the sound and everything it's like those matter in especially in audio content because this is the only thing you can hear yep. so you have to really set the bar high if you can oh my gosh yeah i know daryl is such a stickler for audio and like i must suffer from just very chill vibes because i'm just one of those people who i will just 
I'm like the opposite of a perfectionist. I'm mm-hmm. a chillist. So I'm just kind of like, that sounds good. Like, yeah, they, they can understand what's being said. Like, that's fine. And Daryl will just hear something and then say, hey, no, that needs to sound better. Or there's this weird, can't you hear that weird pitch in the background? Like, I just don't have the ear for the audio editing. So I do rely on Daryl sometimes for that, just because like, there must be something that my ears just aren't sensitive <laughs> to. Like I had a friend who used to edit out breaths, like, you oh, know, yeah. before somebody would start speaking, like he would edit all those out and spend hours meticulously doing it. And she's yeah. like, like, that's great. But like, yeah, but yeah, no, it's, it's finding the right middle. And apparently I also got the tip at cutting those out too much. It makes it sound not so natural. So there are some, but you, have, <laughs> you know, so it's complicated. It's a complicated business. You cannot take them out, but you have to leave some. So I was like, wow. So you can spend so many hours perfecting your content. And then at the end of the day, you need to deliver as well, because that's, there's a cadence where your audience is expecting at least by weekly, weekly basis. So, so yeah, I agree that it's finding the right middle, what's acceptable for you, for your audience when you get feedback and then just ship it, right? Because yeah, otherwise you can spend five, six hours editing just oh one gosh. episode. Yeah. It's like it turns into an annual podcast instead. <laughs> it's an annual podcast that's edited to the degree. Yeah, I try to stay away from this. I, I was tempted, but then I, I said like, okay, that's why it's good that it's edited now by someone because otherwise I spend too much time. Yeah. And at last, I wanted to ask last two questions more about where you're heading to with the podcast. You know, is there other things that you're excited about in terms of content focus or a certain guests that are coming and or even topic to cover? What are the things for the future of She Play Games? I have like quite a few guests on the horizon, which is really nice. I'm really excited that I had Ellie Gibson on the show. She's just mm-hmm. one of my favorite people. She's just so funny and awesome. And then I have a few other people in the works, which is really cool. I've been really exploring event space. So like taking the show on the road and Mm -hmm. doing more things live. So I'm doing my first like panel event where I'm going to be hosting a small panel for brands to learn about how they can speak with influencers. So it's all Mm -hmm. about like influencer marketing and not necessarily for the influencers themselves. It's for brands to see how they can speak with influencers because there's a bit of a wall between brands and their influencers. And I just kind of want to see if there's any way that we can alleviate that pain point of like, this is how you can address like what kind of influencer is best for your brand. And then also like, how can you start those conversations with influencers and maintain those relationships with influencers so that you always can have them sort of like engage with you and that type of thing. Sounds very exciting. At least an on-site event. I follow your panel and I was thinking about that. Some people have been asking me, when are we doing a reunion of the guests <laughs> of the podcast? Which gives me an idea because like for so far, we are the only few podcasters I know. I think there's one as well from another organization week. We should do an on-site event. Yeah. <laughs> Get together and then I think a lot of amazing women would meet and talk because they know also a bit of their stories, you know, personally by listening to each other's episodes. So I see an opportunity to create also an offline event from the podcast. Oh my gosh, completely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool. Like, I mean, I've seen it done now. I went to a PlayStation Access recording. Oh, awesome. And so I know it's possible and it was really cool how they did it. So, you know, 
it's always a possibility. Yeah, it's in my mind. And uh, you'll know when I have <laughs> something like in the making and then so we organize it. It's 2023, I was thinking about it. So yeah, well, I'll yeah. let you know more. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Lauren, for uh, sharing your inside your story. It's like I learned also a lot about... Well, YouTube content creation and how hard it is, but persevering. And I think that's what we've been doing as well, where it's not about being small or starting where we, you don't always have attraction at the start. It's like keeping learning, iterating, and then until you find, you know, your way. So uh, great examples and insights. And I'm excited for what's coming for you. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, th thank you so much for having me on. And it's just been really great connecting with you. And I can't wait to see the future for Rise and Play as well. So yeah, no, keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Rise and Play podcast. I am trying to grow a community of conscious leaders across the industry and beyond. So if you want to join this movement, please share the podcast with other conscious leaders because we have so much more we can learn from each other. Also, please don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on future content. Every episode is packed with actionable insights that will help you improve your leadership skills now. And if you are interested in learning more on the topics that we discussed today, you can find more insights on riseandplay.io and there you will also find my free masterclass on conscious leadership. So have a great week. And until the next time...